0: Would, uh, would you take out your Bibles this morning? We're going to be heading to Acts uh, chapter 12. And last, last week, of course, Andrew uh, brought a word of looking at the church at Antioch. that was a church of uh, community, priority on community of being planted in community with other believers, but also how it was a seeking church, a serving church, an ascending church. And so here this morning in Acts chapter 12, uh, this, this story, uh, there's lots happening in this account this morning. Um, it's another interesting juncture or interjection really in between all the amazing stuff that's been happening over these last couple of chapters in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the Gentiles. Uh, the church being established at Antioch. And it's just kind of in between the launch, just before the launch of Paul and Barnabas into their incredibly fruitful missionary journeys. And so this chapter, chapter 12, is set around 12 years or so after Jesus' death and resurrection, after the Holy Spirit having been poured out at Pentecost and in those 12 years, the church, of course, has been growing and expanding, and we've come to this point. So I might pray, and then we'll uh, open up the word together. So Father, I just want to thank you that we can come to your word today. And Lord, I just feel to pray for each of us here this morning, Lord, that this day would be, be almost like a, a recalibration of our hearts, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that your word is, is, is truth. It's like a plumb line, Lord. That, um, that we can measure and align our lives to, Lord. And so this day, God, I pray that our lives would line up, Lord, with who you are, that you, Lord, wouldn't just be on the periphery, but, God, you would be front and centre. You would have your rightful place in our lives. I pray that our lives would line up, Lord, with your truth, with your word, Lord God, this morning. And I pray that, God, uh, our... Lives would line up with your ways, Lord God. So would you speak to us today? Would you touch our hearts? Would you give us ears to hear what you would be saying to us through your word? And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read from verse 1. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews... Bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. He was well and truly uh, guarded there. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers, and then he departed and went to another place. Now jump down to verse 20, talking back to Herod here. He was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus... The king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Wow, bit of a bit of a passage there today, but lots, lots in there to cover. And it's interesting to me, the place that this starts, it's that Luke writes about that time, about that time. It's interesting that Luke, the details guy, is rather vague on this point. It's about that time of the things happening with the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them, about that time of the church being established and seeing the Lord's blessing and his hand upon them, with a great number turning to the Lord. About that time came some further opposition. It's interesting how often about that time of of breakthrough or of some fruit or growth can be some opposition or some events that come that are less than ideal. It's like, bang, right in the midst of fruitfulness and and growth and all these things happening, bang, there is these events that come that had the potential to really shake the church, to bring about some fear and uncertainty. But remember, God always has the final word. As we consider this passage today and what it speaks to us, what I hope and what I pray for each one of us here is that we would be able to grab hold of this The certainty of the the big picture, if you like, even when there's the uncertainty of the immediate picture right in front of us. The certainty of the big picture of, of the Lord is at work. The Lord's plans and purposes continue to be outworked in our lives. That the good news of the gospel will continue to go forth even when there's the uncertainty of what our eyes can see or what is right in front of us, what we are going through in the here and now, when things happen that we don't always understand. So will we be a people who grab hold of the certainty of the big picture, the certainty that our God is at work, that he knows what he is doing? Let's unpack that a little this morning. So just to give a little bit of background, of course, James here, he was one of the apostles. He was the brother of John. The James and John who were passionate, who were zealous, perhaps a little over the top at times, they were the ones who wanted to call down fire upon a town that didn't receive the good news of the kingdom. The same James and John who in Matthew 20 got their mummy to come along to Jesus and just, you know, asked that Jesus would give them a place on their right hand, on his right hand and on his left hand, this place of prominence. In Mark 10, the account, it was them that came. And Jesus said to him in that that moment, he says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, yeah, of course we can. He says, yes, you will drink this cup, the cup of suffering. And in saying that, he indicated the kind of death or the, the high cost, the high price that they would pay for following Jesus. James, of course, was the first of the apostles to be martyred, to give up his life. And, you know, we obviously have the benefit of seeing the full picture. We know how the story goes on, we know the miraculous deliverance, we see the ending that the word of God continued to increase. But without the benefit of seeing the full picture for the early church at that time, when James was imprisoned and then uh, had his life taken by Herod, there would have been questions, there would have been grief, there would have been the why, you know, why was James executed, yet Peter was delivered. You know, James was an apostle. He was giving his life for the cause of the gospel, for the spread of the truth of the Lord Jesus. You know, he was doing good kingdom work and would have no doubt continued to do effective kingdom work. He was in Jesus' inner circle, in his inner sanctum. You know, Peter, James, and John, surely the Lord could have protected him in that moment or looked after him. And I'm sure that the early church would have been grappling and wrestling with those questions and more. And for us in our lives today, there are things, circumstances, things that are going on around us that we too can wrestle with and grapple with, right? The the why that we don't understand, Lord. As we ponder these things, as we hold on to the certainty of the big picture, there are a few things that I want to bring out and encourage us in this morning. So first of all, first encouragement, his ways are higher, his ways are higher and you know there's so many things about our life and faith that it can be easy to, to just kind of gloss over or make a cliche out of and so please hear my heart this morning, in no way am I wanting to just be flippant or gloss over this, you know, oh, his ways are higher than ours, no, I want to really bring this exhortation and this reminder and this encouragement for us today that his ways are are truly higher than ours. But, and even in that, even in the mystery, even in the we don't always understand, there is a certainty that we can grab hold of and walk in because he is faithful and he can be trusted. The mysterious ways of God with his people, his ways, his providence, his will, are often beyond our ability to understand or to comprehend. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it's this well-known passage of Scripture, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We read that, and it's both confronting and comforting, I feel. Confronting because that means that there will be mystery. There will be things that we can't always get our head around, we can't always grasp or understand about the things of God, about life and the things that are going on around us. But it's also comforting in that we can trust him. And as well, if his ways could be brought down and distilled and understood into something equal to what we as humans can understand, well then he would not be God, would he? So as we think about this this morning, as we wrestle with this fact, as the early church would have, that James was not rescued, yet Peter was. It's really important for us, because his ways are higher, that we have an eternal perspective. Not just an earthly, temporal perspective. And we must remember that everything doesn't always go according to our plan. Which can be a little bit offensive, it can rub us up the wrong way. But it should not surprise us. Because we pray, Jesus himself taught us to pray, your will be done, not our will be done, as much as we'd want that at times. In the natural, for the believers here in this place, it seemed like defeat. It would have been a shock to them, I'm sure, because earlier on in Acts, in Acts chapter 5, we read that the apostles were arrested and put into prison, but the Lord miraculously opened the doors and they were miraculously freed. So perhaps they will think, oh, it's going to happen again. It'll be fine. But here James was gone. And Peter was heading that way and Herod was raging and abusing his power. But God had a plan. But God had a purpose. And his plans and his purposes cannot be thwarted. Perhaps you find yourself in a place of seeming defeat or uncertainty this morning. Let me encourage you with this, but God has a plan, but God has a purpose. Will we trust God in the middle of the mystery? Will we trust the Lord with the uncertainty, with the unknown, or with the unfair? This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, and it's quoting Psalm chapter 34. It says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. Our God is not indifferent to the things that are going on in your life, the things that are going on in the world. He's not cruel or ignorant. He is at work even when we may not be able to see what he's doing. And I really believe that, as his people, we're not called to be thrown off course when we're faced with things that we can't understand, the doubts that we wrestle, wrestle with, the circumstances that we're facing, or even pain. Has anyone heard of a man by the name of Horatio Spafford? Yeah. A few hands going up. He was a successful businessman and lawyer in the Chicago in the 1800s, him and his wife had five children. And they lost one of the, their son actually early in life to pneumonia, and then lost his business in the Great Fire of Chicago. And God, in His mercy, caused that to, to, to uh, grow and thrive and, and prosper again. But in 1873, uh, him and his family made plans to cross from the U.S. to Europe on a ship. And unexpectedly, uh, uh, something had come up with his business, so he had to stay behind. But his wife and his four daughters went on the on the ship across to Europe and uh, on the way the ship collided with another and he lost his four daughters. His wife was picked up clinging to a piece of debris. Horatio Spafford was the writer of the hymn, It Is Well, and he wrote that hymn on his way over a few days later on the ship. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow and sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, he writes, it is well, it is well with my soul." What a response of faith. What trust in the goodness and the mercy of God and in his plans and his purposes. He was a man who was not thrown off course when this tragedy beyond what you could bear really in the natural. The enemy would love nothing more than to see a people tossed about by life's wind and waves and thrown off course, distracting us from playing our part in God's ultimate purpose when stuff happens, when circumstances arise that we can't explain or understand. But you know, I love how the church responded. In the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of the why and the questions and the wrestling. It was a place of seeming defeat, but they didn't shrink back. They prayed. They prayed. And it is in that response that we see the narrative of the story shift. As the early church prayed and trusted, and they ultimately knew his ways are higher, that he is the God who is at work accomplishing his plans and purposes, even though they couldn't see for us, he is at work accomplishing his plans and his purposes, bringing about his goodness and his work in our lives, even when we cannot see. In life, there is mystery. And if we always knew the why, our faith would have no room to grow, would it? But as we wrestle with the mystery, remember that we're not called to be passive or any... Just fatalistic, what will be, what will be. No, but we can trust the Lord and be ready to respond to what he is doing. His ways are higher. Second encouragement for us this morning is that his power is available to us. In the midst of all the things that are going on around us and in the midst of the ways of God being higher than ours, he invites us to partner with him in seeing his plans and his purposes come to pass. What a privilege that is. Verse 5, I love what it says. But earnest prayer for him, for Peter, was made to God by the church. The situation looked impossible, yet they prayed. And look, perhaps it was a bit of a wake-up call for the church in this moment, in this time, given the devastating outcome of James's imprisonment. But they prayed earnestly. And this word for earnestly, earnest, prayer, It literally means uh, fervently or strenuously, this picture of being fully stretched, extended to our full capacity. The picture that comes to my mind when I think of that is uh, running, and I enjoy doing uh, as much running as I can, and when I go, I like to kind of make the most of the time that I have. I like to go reasonably hard to really get the heart rate going, and build your endurance and strength and, you know, get the sweat on and all that sort of thing. There's that sense of being fully stretched out and extended, right? But a few, little while ago, when I was practicing with my eight-year-old son for his cross-country, we went on a couple of training runs together. He wanted me to come with him, and that, I was really glad to do that. And he, was, he did a great job, but, but for me as an adult, obviously, it was a pretty leisurely jog, right? Just jog along, oh, you're doing great, buddy, you're doing great. There's a difference between the leisurely jog that doesn't really get your heart rate up to being fully extended, running earnestly, and strenuously. Does that make sense? And this picture of earnest prayer, it wasn't just like a, oh, we'll just, Lord, bless Peter in prison. It was a sense of, God, we're coming before you today. We need you to intervene in this. Does that make sense? It was this picture of this fully extended Pressing in kind of prayer, not just the, we're just going to go for a nice walk in the park kind of prayer, right? That's what this kind of prayer was. And then later in verse 12, we read that many were still gathered, praying, gathered together and were praying. Again, this word used for praying means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes for his wishes as he imparts faith. So their earnest prayer was being offered for Peter. And then a number of days later, they're still gathered together praying, not giving up, but continuing to press in, not easily discouraged, but continuing to believe that their prayers were going to be effective. Will we be a people of prayer, of earnest prayer, of of prayer? People who, in the midst of the, the, the stuff, the questions, the mystery, don't get thrown off course and shrink back, but who press in to God. Because the ways of God that are higher than ours, as we've looked at already, are never an excuse or an invitation into being passive, to just sit back and see what happens, but rather are an invitation to press in to God, to lay hold of his power that is available to us. As we think about this kind of prayer, there's a really well-known passage 1 Kings 18, the story of Elijah, James chapter 5, it says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and how Elijah was a, was a man just with a nature just like ours. But he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and he prayed again, and it rained, right? And this account, in, in, it's in 1 Kings chapter 18, and the Lord speaks in verse 1 of that chapter of 18, 1 Kings 18, he says, I'm sending rain on the earth, and Elijah He didn't just go, oh, great, I'm going to sit back and relax. I'm going to just, you know, it's just going to happen. I'm going to set up my comfy chair on top of Mount Carmel, watch the clouds roll in, see what's going to happen. No, what what does he do? The Bible tells us that he earnestly, fervently, persistently prayed, pressing into God, partnering with the Lord, prevailing in prayer to see the purposes of God that he had spoken, come, come to pass. And so here we see in this passage in Acts this morning that the prayers of the church were powerful and effective. For Peter, this supernatural deliverance from prison, and I love this account, it's like the angel comes, wake up, wakes up, get dressed, put on your shoes, put on your cloak. it's going to be a little bit cold out so you're going to need that. The door opens, the gate opens of its own accord, miraculously, and then, All of a sudden, Peter comes to himself. Now I am sure that the Lord has brought deliverance. What was it? Was it the light? Was it the change just falling off him? Was it the doors opening of their own accord? The gate opening up? I'm not sure. But he comes to himself, and we see the powerful effect of the prayer offered by the church. But it's just that they didn't realize or grab hold of or recognize the powerful, effective nature of their prayers. And the next part is almost comical in how it plays out because we must remember that that many people were praying. They were praying earnestly. They prayed day and night for at least a few days, if not more. That their prayers were specific, specifically focused on Peter's deliverance. And yet, the answer to their prayers is standing right there at the door and they didn't have enough faith to let him in. God can get Peter out of prison, but Peter can't get himself into a prayer meeting. I'm the guy that you're praying for. Have you ever had moments like that where you can pray for something? You can believe for something. Yet when God answers in his way and in his time and revealing his power, we don't see or believe or recognize the answer and what he's brought about in our lives. The believers were amazed At the fact that the prayers had been answered. Fancy that. I never would have thought. I prayed and then God actually did what he was going to do. That's amazing. We have a chuckle. But there's something challenging in there for all of us, I believe. Will we grab hold of the power that's available to us in prayer? Will we be a people of earnest prayer? But will we be a people of expectancy? Expectant to see God's hand at work. His purposes and plans being outworked in our lives. I believe there's something in that for us this morning. Yes, His ways are higher. There is the mystery, all those things. But there is a call for us to not be passive and to be shrinking back, but to actually be a people who are pressing in and partnering with the Lord, grabbing hold of His power that is available to us to see His plan and purposes come to pass. His ways are higher. His power is available. Thirdly, this morning, his purposes prevail. His purposes prevail. Peter's delivered, of course. And then we see the pride of pomp and pomp of Herod coming to an end, an untimely end. And really, the narrative has well and truly shifted from where the chapter started, hasn't it? It's like the, this is the conclusion, the end of the matter, if you like, And I love how Luke kind of leaves a few little progress reports along the way. He's done that already, just at the end of certain chapters in the book Book of Acts. And it's almost like a little progress report, a little score check. Now, I'm someone who loves uh, sports, and I love to, to follow sport, particularly cricket, and keep my eyes on what's happening in all different competitions and matches happening around the world. And I can check the score wherever I'm at. And, you know, oh, there's a little bit of a wobble there, but it's okay. The score's okay. And that's kind of what I feel this is. I love what he says in verse 24. He says, but in the midst of all that had been happening, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the miraculous deliverance, in the midst of, you know, this king rising and then falling, but the word of God increased and multiplied. It's like this little update. Oh, phew, everything's going okay. There's a few wobbles along the way, but they've regained (laughs) composure now. And the Word of God is continuing to go forth and increase and multiply. The Amplified Version of the Bible puts it this way But the Word of the Lord, the good news about salvation through Christ, continued to grow and to spread, increasing in effectiveness. What a shift! The chapter starts with James dead, with Peter in prison, with Herod triumphing, and the church in a place of seeming defeat and full of questions. But the chapter ends with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing and increasing and going forward. The Lord always has the final word, whether we see it here and now or in eternity. We know that he has a plan and he will prevail. Even though things may have started for us, even though things may be in a less than ideal place right now, know that the Lord has the final word, that his ways are higher, that his power is available, that his purposes will prevail. Can we get the worship team up? That would be fantastic. In our lives, if we will trust the Lord and remain steadfast in the midst of the at times puzzling ways of God, if we will be a people of prayer who lay, lay hold of the power that is available to us, if we can hold on to the certainty of the big picture that God is good, that he is at work that his plan and purpose will prevail. We will see and know the Lord's purpose and his plan and him having the final work. Would you stand this morning? Pray. we're going to finish with the song we have prayer available this morning as well and let me encourage you if you feel you're in a place of the wrestle the uncertainty the wise would you come and just receive prayer that the Lord would impart fresh hope fresh peace this morning fresh sense of him being at work this morning you're desiring just to i guess grab hold of the power that is available each and every one of us to press in to the lord to not shrink back fear and uncertainty come forward and receive prayer lord i thank you for this morning this is the day that you've made. We rejoice in you. We give you thanks and praise. And I want to thank you for our time together this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for each and every person here, that, Lord, it's no accident that they're here. God, And I thank you, Lord, for your desire to meet with and encounter each and every one of your people. Lord. So I pray today, Lord, as uh, each person leaves this place, that they would go aware of your presence, aware of your love and your goodness, Lord, and I I pray that we would be a people, Lord God, who uh, know that your ways are higher than our ways, but not just know in our head and as a nice cliche, but Lord, we would be a people who trust you in that, Lord God, knowing that you are faithful and knowing that you have the final word, Lord God. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would grab hold of the power that is available to us, Lord that we would be a people willing to to press into you, willing to seek after you, Lord God, even in the midst of the wrestles and even in the midst of things not going according to plan. I want to pray as well, Lord, that we would see and know and have that, that deep conviction, God, that you and your plans and your purposes will prevail, Lord God. And so, Lord, this morning... For anyone here in that place of wrestle, less than ideal circumstances, God, I pray that there would be grace for them today to stay anchored to you, to grab hold of the picture, Lord, that you are at work, that you are faithful, that you can be trusted, Lord, and that, Lord, we would see your hand at work. Plans and purposes prevail, God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's worship together. As the song comes to an end, the prayer team will come forward. And uh, I'd love to invite you to receive prayer today for anyone who desires that.